What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. This is your co-host, Jack Duffy. Today joining me is Lucas, Chris, and Joe. What's going on, guys? What's good? Hey, guys. Hey, what's going on, fellas? So today we're doing our second mock draft, so we're recording this on Sunday, so four days before the draft, doing it snake style, so we're starting with Lucas with the first overall pick. Alrighty, guys. With the first pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select... Zion Williamson. Now with Anthony Davis agreed to going to the Los Angeles Lakers, Zion will immediately be the face of the franchise. He will take on the burden load of stardom in New Orleans. This doesn't change the fact that Zion's going to the Pelicans. He's the best athlete and star in this whole entire draft, expected to become an all-star probably very early in his career. So the pick makes sense in that regard. All right, so with the second pick, I have the Memphis Grizzlies getting John Morant, point guard out of Murray State. So what jumps out at you when you watch John Morant is his John Wall-esque athleticism with his great playmaking skills and instincts. And from the Grizzlies' point of view, he's a perfect guy to put alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. With Mike Conley's contract expiring soon and the Grizzlies just not being a contender or a playoff team, you can see them looking to move him in the near future. So John Morant is a perfect guy to replace him. And Jaw has great shot creation skills. He's a great for a quick first step, crafty dribble moves, and he's really good at creating space and uh, changing the pace of the game. But there's one one thing that's a knock on Jaw is his shot. His shot release is pretty low, but that's one thing that's very fixable. But he has explosive athleticism that helps him get inside, helps him with his defense as well. So he's a lot of upside just from an athletic standpoint. And on the defensive side of the ball, he's solid on-ball defender, but he's not all—he's not always committed and initiated on that side of the ball. So if he can be 100% committed to his defense, then I think he'll be a great defender once he gets in the NBA. With the third overall pick, the New York Knicks are going to take R.J. Barrett out of Duke. I think Barrett kind of caught some unfair slack this season due to his role um, next to Zion, but he was still one of the best players in college ball. Averaged over Michael Hill, really. Had a really long strides to the rim, really shifty ball handler for his size at around 6'7". Um, doesn't have the greatest touch on his jumper or inside, and that's something he'll need to work on. But he should become a, an effective pull-up shooter in the pick-and-roll at the next level. I think his passing is a tad underrated at this stage. And when he's locked in, which is a pretty decent amount of the time in big moments, he's a really solid defender. Should be able to guard multiple positions. He's a strong-bodied wing. Um, I think he's the pretty clear choice at number three. And with the fourth overall pick, the Pelicans are going to select the best player available in Jarrett Culver out of Texas Tech. Another skilled wing, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six range, long arms, broad shoulders, should have room to add weight. He's already a really solid defender, should defend multiple positions at the next level. And with New Orleans kind of going young and starting a rebuild, Culver, Fits right into that mold of versatile athletes that they have on the perimeter. Drew Holiday, Lonzo, Zion are all going to be really high-level defensive players, and Culver has the potential to reach that level as well. He's a decent shooter already, can get the bounce, operate as a secondary ball handler. I really like that fit in New Orleans. And with the fifth pick, I have the Cavaliers taking DeAndre Hunter. So the Cavs right now, they're in a position where they need to pick the best player available. You know, Sexton was a pleasant surprise, and he's going to be one of the cornerstones for the foreseeable future. But they still need some high-level younger guys, and Hunter would be a great fit. Um, he's one of the better defenders in the draft. He has a great combination of size, length, and quickness. He could theoret- theoretically guard multiple positions at the next level. Uh, he's a good uh, on-ball and off-ball defender, a very good spot-up shooter. Uh, he can cut to the hole. He can drive. And he, fill, he fills a need on the wing for the Cavs, and he could he should fit in well next to Colin Sexton. And with the sixth pick, I have the Suns taking uh, Kobe White. Uh, the Suns are probably the most point guard-hungry team in the league right now. Uh, last week on ESPN's uh, live mock draft, Woj had said that Phoenix is probably going to probably going to pick a guard, but they're also going to look for a veteran as well on the market. But if they're going to be building for the future, they they should probably just pick a guard, and Kobe White's that guy. Uh, it's pretty crazy, too, how cl- how quickly his stock rose over the course of the year. Uh, he's such a great scorer, a lot of upside when it comes to that. He's very good off the dribble. He can create a ton of separation on mid-range jumpers. He's, he has a quick release on the shot, good passer, should be able to defend 
uh, guards as well, and I really like that fit there. With the seventh pick, I have the Bulls getting Darius Garland, point guard out of Vanderbilt. So he only played four games uh, his freshman year just due to injury. So there's not much tape on him, but it's a little surprise he's still one of the top prospects in this year's draft. I'd be surprised if he falls to seven. There are reports yesterday that the Pelicans could still take him fourth overall, despite them trading for Lonzo Ball, obviously via the Lakers, who originally have that fourth pick. But if he does fall to seven, it'd be the perfect fit for Chicago because Chris Dunn obviously is not the answer. And Garland can literally score from anywhere on the floor. And however, he can score off the dribble, off DHO's spot up, and he has NBA range on his three-point shot. He has the offensive game that will immediately transfer to the NBA with him being able to create space off the dribble and be able to get his own shot off. He's shown sparks of potential high-level playmaking and a little bit of high competitive ball he played in high school and then his few games in college, which will transfer over pretty well. And I'd say the best comparison for Garland is Damian Lillard, just with them both being able to shoot the ball from any time they cross half court, they can get a shot off. They can shoot off the dribble, um, off-balance shots. At seven, having Garland be alongside Zach Levine would be kind of like a Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum-esque backcourt with two scoring guards, which I think could work really, really well. But one thing they're going to have to figure out is having two ball-dominant guards on the floor at the same time. So they'll have to figure out how to share the basketball. But with this limited sample size, there are some issues for concern there. But I still think Garland's going to be a solid player in this league. With the eighth overall pick, the Atlanta Hawks are going to select Cam Reddish, I still feel like I'm a good bit higher on Reddish than most people at this point. He had a very underwhelming season at Duke, but he's still a very skilled player. And just going back to his prep days, AAU, etc., he showed a lot of talent there, and I think he still saw flashes of it at Duke. His lack of explosiveness in the lane and struggles finishing at the rim were really concerning, but he's 6'8", really fluid athlete, shoots a really smooth ball from the three-point line, should be able to spot, spot up and pull up at a high level in the NBA. Um, he's also a very underrated defender, and I think in Atlanta with a guy like Trey Young who can kind of carry the playmaking burden, having Reddish operate off ball as a ball mover and a shooter, and a guy who can kind of come into his own as a secondary player on the wing, I think that's a really good fit for him. With the ninth pick, I have the Washington Wizards selecting this year a little, the forward out of UNC. So Nasir didn't even start this year for Carolina, and he had a pretty underwhelming season until the NCAA tournament where he completely shined with the nation's best talent. So for NBA scouts, front office guys in the NBA, just to see that against the best guys in the country, he played his best basketball. Nasir Little is a freak athlete with the complete ideal NBA body and NBA strength. The Wizards need everything. There's not one position that they are filled on, so they're just going to go with the best available. So I can see them going with Nasir here or Sakut Tamboya, but I have Nasir a little bit higher on my big board, so I have them going Nasir there. It's going to be a great roller on pick and rolls with his body and explosiveness, and with his ability to finish through contact, that's a perfect scenario with him alongside Bradley Beal or John Wall. If they're both with Washington, Jamal obviously won't be playing next year. And Nasir has three-point upside, so there's potential there for him to be a great 3-D player. With the 10th uh, pick, the Atlanta Hawks select Jackson Hayes. The Hawks need a long-term center, uh, answer at center, and Hayes is the answer there. He's a prototypical rim-running center that can rebound and defend well this past season. He blocked 2.2 shots. Texas while converting 72.8% of his field goal percentage uh, shots, five rebounds. He's an overall solid player. I think he develops nicely next balance at the in the front court. With the 11th overall pick, the Timberwolves select Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Walker is a nice combo guard that could very easily turn into a Gilgis Alexander in my mind. I think I'm a little higher on him than most people. However, he can play both guard positions, could learn and eventually to become a point guard. He has high upside. He's 6'5". You know, he has room to add muscle at only 205 pounds. Average 16 points, uh, 16.2 points this past season on 37.7% uh, shooting from downtown and averaged four rebounds and four assists. Overall, I think he would be a nice complement to the developing core of Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. So with the 12th pick, I have the Charlotte Hornets getting Secu Naboya, the forward out of France. So Secu is definitely 
the rawest prospect in this year's draft. He's super young. He's an unpolished athletic freak that has the potential to be a nightmare against bigs in the NBA. He's he has a huge frame. He's 6'9", 230, uh, very, very athletic and quick. He's very, very raw, but one positive is that he shot 77% from the free throw line, so there's potential to expand his perimeter game. And with his elite athleticism, he'll be able to have an immediate impact around the rim on both sides of the ball. So right when he gets in the league, I could see him just being a pick and roller and then him just catching lobs and then blocking shots in the defensive end. But he does need to develop an offensive game to create his own shot. So he'd benefit from the G League, just be able to get his post game up, just have some sort of isolation game because as of right now, he does not have any. But he has solid footwork in the post and a hook shot. But besides that, there's not much else, a lot of potential, and that's what you're picking for at this 12th spot. With the 13th overall pick, the Miami Heat are going to grab Kevin Porter Jr., he seems to be falling down on a lot of draft boards at this point, which is kind of surprising to me. There are concerns about his off-court. First. He missed some time due to both injury and suspension at USC this year, so there are concerns there. But from a pure talent perspective, I have him inside my top ten. Just a super gifted shot creator, really shifty handles, can create space pretty easily off the bounce, has a great step back already, has range out to the three-point line. There are some minor concerns about his release point, but the jumper is fluid, and it, I think it will work at the next level. Um, he has decent size as well on the wing, should be a pretty solid defender when he's locked in. In Miami, with Goran Dragic kind of reaching the end of his prime and Dwayne Wade obviously leaving the league, they're going to need some shot creators on the perimeter, and I think Porter can fill that role. And with the 14th overall pick, the Boston Celtics are taking Brandon Clark, another Really high upside guy, even though he's over 22 years old at this point. Has a ton of functional athleticism at six foot eight. He's somewhat undersized for his position. Might want to add some muscle. But is a great pick-and-roll guy. Can pass on the roll. Um, a really high-level finisher inside. He's one of the most efficient bigs in college basketball last season. Um, there's optimism that he can add a three-point shot. and He hasn't really done that yet, but he's making progress. It's something he's working on. And for someone with a work ethic uh, um, like his, I think it's something that's achievable. He's also a versatile defender at the four spot. Should be able to switch onto the perimeter and hang with guards pretty easily at the next level. So he makes a lot of sense for Boston, who might lose a few big men this year. With the 15th pick, I have the Pistons taking Romeo Langford. Uh, the Pistons are in a pretty tough spot with their salary situation. They owe Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond a boatloads of money. And they're in a tough spot in the mid-first round. Um, they need to address uh, their lack of playmakers and ball handlers at the wing. And, you know, a lot, a lot of what a lot of what they've tried to do have been hit or miss. And Langford could be an option. Uh, he's, he's very good at creating uh, for himself off the dribble. He has a, a lot of dribble moves that allow him to create space to knock down shots or drive to the hole. Uh, he has lots of potential as a pick-and-roll ball handler. He's a pretty good rebounder. And with his build and athleticism, he could become a pretty good defender as well. And with the 16th pick, I have the Magic taking Tyler Hero. Uh, Orlando could really use uh, some playmaking and shooting in the backcourt. You don't know what, what Terrence Ross is going to do. He's a free agent this summer. And you don't know about our old friend, uh, Markel Fultz. Uh, Hero, uh, as a combo guard, would be a, a pretty good pick. Uh, he's so good at creating shots off the dribble, uh, especially in pick-and-roll situations. He can spot up well and can knock down catch-and-shoot shots as well. He's a good interior finisher. He's a smart passer, and he can crash the boards, too. With the 17th pick, the Atlanta Hawks are going to be selecting Rui Hachimura. Hachimura is a combo forward. He has a lot of upside despite being going out, despite playing three years in college. He's, you know... He's not super athletic, but he has decent. I think he has his tools to become a good defensive player on both the inside and out. He's slowly developing a three-point shot. He shot 41 percent, uh, almost 42 percent this past year, but that was only a one per attempt per game. I think that it will slowly come along. Offensively, I think it'll take some time for him to get adjusted in the NBA, but I think he'd either be a good backup. Uh, power forward for John Collins or possibly be the heir apparent at the small forward position now that Tyrion Prince has departed from the Hawks. 
With the 18th overall pick, I have the Indiana Pacers selecting Grant Williams. That's a bit higher than consensus, but I really buy his basketball IQ, and he's maybe not an elite athlete, but at around six foot eight, six seven in that range, he's really strong. Should be able to defend the perimeter relatively well, and he can use that core strength inside to defend larger fours. He's always in the right position on defense, protects the weak side of the rim well. Just a really smart all-around player there, and it translates on offense as translates on offense as well he um, needs to expand his three-point shot still that's something he's working on kind of similar to Brandon Clark but um he has pretty fluid mechanics it's something that should come along in the near future already a super smart passer at the four spot did a lot of post work at Tennessee and that's something that's going to help him um, exploit mismatches against perhaps smaller defenders in the NBA and Indiana doesn't necessarily need a big, but with Thaddeus Young hitting the free agency market, it wouldn't be too bad to um, kind of load up on some extra front court depth, and I think Williams is the best prospect available at that point. With the 19th pick, I have the San Antonio Spurs getting Gogo Batazde, the big from Georgia. So Gogo already has the offensive skill set of an interior big. He's a great screener. He can score well in the DHO, and he scores well off the pick and roll and cuts. He can finish inside with both hands and has touch on his floaters, hook shots, and layups. He has a high defensive IQ, and he's capable and he's capable off-ball defender who can rotate. But the one knock on Goga is he needs to improve his foot speed to help with his defense. The Spurs, they have LaMarcus Aldridge, who's getting up, in, getting up there in age, and Goga can play the center position. So having a versatile big just that can score anywhere when LaMarcus Aldridge is on the floor or as he kind of falls out of his prime <coughs> for the Spurs, and also just get another foreign guy. That's just the way the Spurs have done it. With the 20th pick, the Boston Celtics select P.J. Washington. Washington is kind of a no-brainer here at 20. He's a stretch four. He's one of the few players in Kentucky basketball recent history that's actually played more than one year. He improved a lot during that one year. He This past season, he shot 42% from three-point lines. 7.5 rebounds, 15 points per game, 1.2 blocks. Ideally, he'd be a nice fit next to Jason Tatum and the young core that the Boston Celtics have. Neither could probably probably be a nice addition off the bench to begin with, but could develop very easily into a starter. I like that fit with uh, I like the fit with PJ Washington stretching the floor for Tatum and, and Jalen Brown with Boston at the 20th pick. With the 21st pick, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder going, uh, selecting Cameron Johnson. Johnson is a a six foot nine wing. Even though they have a wing player, a small forward in Paul George, they need perimeter shooting. And with Johnson, that's exactly what the Thunder get. He, for his career, he shot 40.5% from the three-point line, and this past season alone, he shot 43, 45.7% from the three-point line on 5.8 attempts. He averaged 16 points. He has a little bit of playmaking skills, Good, a good solid defender. Overall, I think the fit's nice. I think he could adjust to either coming off the bench or possibly playing the two-guard. I think that, that there's a strong possibility there, that which would give the Thunder more length on the perimeter. I think the Thunder just needs shooting, and Cameron Johnson is the best fit for that need right there at, at the 21st pick. So it's the 22nd pick. It's the Celtics' third first-round selection. I have them getting Dylan Windler, the forward out of Belmont. So with Dylan Windler, you're getting one of the best shooters in this draft. He has a very quick lefty release and with that he has the ability to get his shot off uh in the nba over long tall defenders and he already has nba range and he has a great step back that he already developed to showcase on the college level from nba range and he's also a solid defender which if you just look at him look at his body he's, he's pretty lanky and doesn't have much muscle but he's a solid defender at the next level and he'll be a great three and d guy and at six eight he can rebound pretty well and at worst, I say he's going to be a great spot-up shooter. With the 23rd overall pick, the Jazz are going to are going to select Carson Edwards out of Purdue. He's a really nice fit next to Donovan Mitchell on the perimeter. 
with Ricky Rubio's future in question and Dante Exum maybe not showing the development that a lot of Jazz fans hoped he would this past season. Adding Edwards makes a lot of sense. He's a great shooter, on the move, on the catch, pulling up. However you slice it, um, he's going to space the floor, which the Jazz really need. Another dynamic shooter on the perimeter. And he's listed at just six foot, but he has a six six wingspan, and he's really strong, so he should be able to, to defend his position at a high level. Um, maybe even switch on to some twos and threes without getting totally eaten alive. Um, and he just makes a lot of sense for Utah. Fills a need, and he's one of the better players available at this point. With the 24th pick, the Philadelphia 76ers select Matisse Thibault. Thibault is an obvious candidate for the Sixers here. He was one of the best defensive players in all of college basketball. This past season alone, he averaged 3.5 steals and 2.3 blocks. He's a switchable defender. And on top of that, minus this past season when he only shot 30% from the three-point line, he's overall had a college career being very successful from the three-point line, shooting a career 35.8%. So three and D players are exactly what the Sixers could need coming off the bench and Thibault fills that need wonderfully here at the 24th spot. With the 25th pick, I have the Trailblazers taking Keldon Johnson. Um, Portland could really use some uh, shooting and defensive depth at the forward position. Um, Alfred Camino is said to be a free agent. Uh, Johnson's a really tough defender. He really attacks closeouts hard and can defend and transition pretty well. Uh, he's, he'll make all the hustle plays, too. He'll die for loose balls, take charges, all that. Uh, he, he can really get at it on the boards. Um, he's improved his shooting from deep as well. Uh, he won't create much off the drill, but he can drive to the basket. He's a pretty good cutter, too. And I can see him being a pretty good fit on that Portland team. And with the 26th pick, I have the Cavs taking Taylor Horton Tucker. I really think that the Cavs could develop another young guard right behind Sexton. Uh, THT, he's one of the youngest players in the draft, so he's obviously very, very raw. Uh, he's really good at creating shots for himself, given his sort of unusual build. Uh, he's a pretty good spot-up shooter, good passer. Uh, he can crash the boards. Uh, he needs to improve his defensive intensity a little bit, but he has a lot of a lot of room for improvement, given how young he still is. With the 27th overall pick, the Brooklyn Nets are going to select Bruno Fernando out of Maryland. Just an absolute physical freak at the center position he's listed around 610 with a 7374 wingspan really strong frame nba ready in that respect um a skilled offensive player in the post has nice touch with both hands can pass at a pretty high level for the five spot as well he's a good mid-range shooter hasn't really expanded his range to the uh three-point line yet he hit three of ten attempts from deep this past season at Maryland, so not really a high-volume shooter yet, but it's something that's coming along. Um, not the best defender either, but his tools are obviously there. He's fairly mobile for someone with his combination of size and strength, so as long as he works on his fundamentals and gets in a good developmental spot, which the Brooklyn Nets would definitely be, I, Fernando has a chance to become a really solid backup center. And uh, with the 28th overall pick, the Golden State Warriors are going to uh, select Bull Bull out of Oregon. Pretty much the highest upside pick possible at this point. I'm not sure if Bull falls quite this far on draft night, but he's 7'3", has a 7'7 wingspan, can shoot the three ball at a high level. Um, There are concerns about his health, obviously, and he also has some concerns on defense. Maybe not the best defender in space at this point. Is kind of an awkward mover and has a really thin frame, which is going to hurt him in the post. But from a pure upside perspective, the Warriors are a team that can still afford to take kind of a swing for the fences here, even with the injuries to KD and Clay. Um, and they need some center depth. Bogut, Looney, etc., are all hitting free agency. Demarcus Cousins as well. And Bull could potentially fill that void with a top 10 talent in the draft if everything goes right. With at the 29th pick, I have the San Antonio Spurs getting Lou Dort, the guard from Arizona State. So when you look at Lou Dort, he has a very impressive physical frame. He's built like an NFL defensive end. He drives the basket with tremendous power and speed, and he also has nice finesse around the rim. But he struggles to convert. So he has million-dollar moves but 10-cent finishes. But with time and practice, 
and in the NBA or in the G League, which he probably will be with the Spurs with their player development system. And he has a lot of scoring upside due to his frame and ability to create a variety of looks. He has a solid pull-up shot off the dribble from about 15 feet, and he can expand his game to the three-point line. And on the defensive side, he plays with maximum effort. He's a versatile defender who can defend multiple positions from guards to forwards. And his jump shot is very, very raw. He has mechanical issues, but those can be fixed. We saw Duante Murray's jump shot get fixed. We saw Kawhi Leonard, who had the highest increase of three-point percentage from his rookie year on. He started, I think, at 24%, and he improved it to 45% within four years, I think. And so with Lou Dort and the Spurs' legendary play development system, I think they have a lot of value at this pick at 29. <clears throat> with the 30th pick, the Milwaukee Bucks select Mufondu Cabangeli. Cabangeli here... Makes sense on two fronts. One, he's a stretch big this past season on 1.8 attempts from three-point line. He shot 36.9%. He's a solid defender, averaged 1.5 blocks this past season. And he feels the need because a lot of the uh, stretch bigs that the that the Bucks have are hitting free agency this summer. So in that regard... Uh, Captain Gelly could very easily fill fill a void there, and I think he'd just be a good overall fit based on his you know position and position of need and just ability to stretch the floor for Giannis Antetokounmpo at, as a big would be a big upside that I don't think the Bucks would pass up in the first round. First pick, the Brooklyn Nets select Ty Jerome. Personally, don't believe he's going to fall out of the first round. However, if he does uh, get to the 31st pick, I believe the Nets are going to pick him up purely just based off of uh, best player available. Jerome is a co- can be a combo guard in the NBA. Solid three-point shooter. Solid defender. Great playmaker. And I think that he would fit nicely in a backcourt with Spencer Dinwiddie, assuming that the Nets either retain D'Angelo Russell or sign Kyrie Irving this offseason. I think having the combo guard situation of both Dinwiddie and Jerome coming off the bench would be ideal for the Nets and would solidify their backcourt moving forward. So with that respect, I think it's just an, an overall best player available, and I think that fit would be good with him and on the Nets. With the 32nd pick, I have the Phoenix Suns getting Eric Paschal, the forward, out of our local Villanova Wildcats. So, with the Suns here, they have, in the first round, they're getting Kobe White to fill out their guard position. And so, with the 32nd pick, you could have Eric Paschal helping uh, that forward slot alongside of DeAndre Ayton. He's a big body big. He's a versatile defender, and he has a solid jump shot. And with Eric Paschal, he's 6'8", and he has quick feet, though, with long strides, so he covers the floor pretty well. From the forward position, he's a great ball handler. Um, with good vision and playmaking abilities, a great ability to shoot off the dribble. And on the defensive side of the ball, he's versatile with his mobility and strength who can defend at least three positions in the NBA. And obviously he'll be coming off the bench, so he'll bring a lot of energy. And he communicates and hustles very well. So he does the things that not all NBA players do, so he'll be very liked down there by Monty Williams. Phoenix lacks perimeter shooting from their other forwards, T.J. Warren and Josh Jackson and Aiton at the center spot all are the best shooters ever. So Eric Paschal, with the ability to improve his three-point shot, especially from spotting up, uh, will be a great fit there with the Phoenix Suns at 32. With the 33rd overall pick, the Sixers are going to select Jonte Porter. He is coming off his second consecutive ACL tear in the same knee, which is obviously a pretty glaring concern. But injuries aside, he's probably a top 20, maybe even top 14 talent in the draft. So I think at this point, you just draft on talent. The Sixers need a reserve at the center spot behind Embiid. It's obviously not an immediate fix, but if Porter can get healthy, I think he becomes a really valuable piece. He's a good shooter at the five spot, also a great passer, whether it's in the high post or as a roll man. He sees the floor really well, makes some impressive outlet passes as um you know, there are concerns about his defense. He's not the most physically fit player, but he has worked on that, and I think his intelligence will make him at least a passable kind of drop coverage defender at the five spot. 
So I think Porter's a really solid pick at 33. The 34th overall pick, the Sixers select Chuma Okeke out of Auburn. He's another guy who's coming off a knee injury, um, which is obviously cause for concern, and perhaps the Sixers might not want to take 200 guys. But in terms of best prospects available, Porter and Okeke both fit that mold. Um, Okiki's a really smart defender, has earned some Robert Covington comparisons either, which you know might appease Sixers fans. Um, versatile guy who can defend fours, threes at a high level, can switch on the perimeter, um, tends to put himself in the right position, and he also shoots a smooth three ball, which will help him fit in in Philadelphia. Smart secondary passer as well, cuts to the rim at a high level. Just does all the role player things you need in a guy in the second round, and he's someone who, once he's healthy, could very much help the Sixers in the second unit. At 35, I have the Hawks taking Nicholas Claxton. I feel like the Hawks could use a dynamic big to develop, you know, with, with what they're doing over there. Uh, Claxton's a good ball handler for a big, especially in transition. He doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. He can score off rolls and cuts pretty effectively. Uh, he's a good shot blocker. He has very solid overall defensive potential, and I think he could really fit in with what they're doing down there in Atlanta. The 36th pick, I have the Hornets taking KZ Yokopala. Uh, the Hornets need all the talent they can find in the draft with, with that horrendous payroll that they have right now. Uh, Okpala can uh, move the ball pretty well. Uh, he's going to project to be a pretty good defender with his height, length, um, and his mobility as well. He's a pretty good passer. He, he's improved the shooting over the course of his career, and I really think he could fit in with what Charlotte's doing down there right now. With the 37th overall pick, the Dallas Mavericks are going to select Terrence Davis out of Old Miss. He made a lot of really key improvements as a senior, namely with his shooting. Um, he shot over 37% from deep this season. He projects as a versatile defender, a really solid slasher who can kind of operate as a secondary creator to a certain extent, kind of getting inside, adding some dribble penetration. And just his defense on the perimeter as a long, versatile guy, he makes a lot of sense as you know another 3 and D role guy who can play next to Luka and Porzingis in Dallas. And with the 38th overall pick, the Chicago Bulls are going to select Lewis King out of Oregon. He missed a good chunk of the season with a torn meniscus that he was recovering from, um, an injury he suffered before he got to Oregon. But once he returned, he became a really important piece to uh, the Ducks' late-season run. Um, he's listed at 6'8", a really fluid athlete, has some serious upside as a scorer, can get to the rim at a high level, finishes with touch with both hands. Um, a solid three-point shooter as well. Hasn't really shown much on defense yet, but that's the case for a lot of top recruits in college. When they aren't locked in, you know, we don't always get the best picture of them as a defender. He has all, all the tools to become a multi-position guy who can switch, you know, two through um, two through four at a successful level. So he makes a lot of sense for Chicago as well. With the 39th pick, I have the New Orleans Pelicans getting Jalen McDaniels, the big guy at San Diego State. Jalen McDaniels is a versatile player, and he's built for today's NBA with the height and size of a big, but he also has the skills of a modern NBA wing. So there's a lot of 3D upside there. He has soft touch on his floaters, and his dribble is very low to the ground, which he also uses that to go into his fluid pull-up jumper. He has touch around the rim with both hands, very, very good finisher. And from a playmaking standpoint, he also makes great cross-court passes with solid vision for a big. So with this Pelicans pick, you're picking the guy that will play next to Zion Williamson. And in that Lakers trade, they did not get a big. So McDaniels can fit very well next to Zion Williamson because they complement each other very well with Zion's athleticism and inside scoring ability. But with Daniels, uh, to the contrary, he can expand the game from the perimeter and spread the floor for Zion. With the 40th pick, the Sacramento Kings select Samari Pons. Pons is an ideal player when it comes to what the the Kings need off the bench. They don't really have a, I don't really think they have a long-term answer at the backup point guard position yet, and I think Pons could very well could be that. He's a spark plug. He averaged 19.7 points this past season on 35% shooting from downtown. He's improved his playmaking over his college career, averaging five, uh, five assists this past season. 
I think overall it's a flyer that the Kings front office will take on to see what he can do and provide much needed scoring off the bench for the Kings. So I think that's a good pick there. I think with so <clears throat> with the 40, 41st pick, the Hawks select Admiral Schofield. Schofield here is a good pick, good quality pick. He's a solid 6-6 wing. I think that he'll he's a great 3 and D player, solid defender. I when you look at his uh, three point percentage, it was 41.8 percent this past season. He averaged 16.5 points. I think he'll be a nice uh, guard to play alongside and defensive guard to play alongside uh, Trey Young. So I think they get best player available here, as well as a solid 3 and D option for them, especially as he develops down the road. With the 42nd pick, I have our Philadelphia 76ers getting good Zagan guard, Zach Norvell Jr. With the previous two picks, or three picks that the Sixers had so far, we had them getting Matisse Thibel, who is a defensive wing, and then with 33, we had them getting center Jonte Porter, and at 34, we had him getting Chumo Kiki, another forward. So here we need to address the Sixers' need for a guard and a shooter, and Zach Norvell is just that. He's a smart ball handler with excellent shooting ability, and he's also an efficient defender. He's a lefty spot-up shooter who converts well off screens, dribble handoffs, and movement. His best three-point shooting was in transition, and he has a fluid sidestep and step-back three-pointer. And from a playmaking point of view, um, he's very smart. He limits his turnovers and delivers accurate passes off the dribble. So just continuing that Gonzaga history of high IQ basketball guys that don't make a lot of mistakes. And I think he can be a very good Landry Shannon replacement. You can never have enough shooting, and the Sixers need backup guard. So Zach Norvell Jr. is a no-brainer at this point. With the 43rd overall pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to select Zylan. Zylan Cheatham out of Arizona State, maybe one of the best names in the draft. Um, he's on the older end of the spectrum. He's well over 23 at this point, which might give teams some pause. But he's also a very versatile defender at six foot eight with a seven foot wingspan. Should be able to defend across four or five positions with his strength and athleticism. And that's obviously something teams are going to value at the next level. He's earned some tentative comparisons to Pascal Siakam just because of his style of game, both on defense and offense, kind of that shifty transition ball handler at the fourth spot who can create some offense on the fast break, runs the floor at a high level. He needs to improve his three-point shot and maybe add more of a consistent half-court game. But just for his defense and physical tools alone, he's a really interesting prospect in the second round, and Minnesota needs some front-court depth alongside Carl Anthony Towns, and Cheatham could fill that void. With the 44th overall pick, the Atlanta Hawks are going to select Darius Baisley. He uh, essentially took a rest year. He originally committed to Syracuse, but then um, decommitted. The plan was to go to the G League, but he then decommitted from that and decided to intern at New Balance for a year and train for the draft. So we don't have a ton of film on him beyond high school, but... He's a long 6'9", 6'10", forward slash big who can handle in transition, kind of get to his spots in the half court, hit pull-up jumpers, a really fluid finisher inside, a lot of intriguing physical tools, and a nice skill package there to work with. Has a lot of room left to grow. He didn't play in college or professionally this past season, so that's not necessarily a year of development lost, but there's going to be some ground to make up there, but the Hawks have several second-round picks, and they have, they're in the middle of a pretty lengthy rebuild, so they have time to uh, take an upside swing on someone like Baisley. With the 45th pick, I have the Pistons taking a Nazarene. Uh, in this mock where they had them taking Romeo Langford, which could help answer their questions at the wing, and I think that Detroit could maybe use a modern big behind uh, Drummond on the bench. Uh, Reed could, has the potential to be a pretty solid shooter for a big. Uh, he can handle the ball well for a guy at his size. Uh, he shoots decently off the dribble. He's a good offensive rebounder, and I think could really provide a role, could carve out a role for himself in Detroit. And then with the 46th pick, I had the Magic taking uh, Daniel Gafford. Uh, Vucevic is going to be a free agent, so you don't know what he's going to do. And so they could maybe the Magic could afford to uh, take a big. 
Uh, Gafford has some injury concerns from his high school days when he tore his meniscus, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. He has a lot of a rim runner potential. He can really throw it down off the lobs. Uh, he draws a lot of contact inside. He's a good screener, a pretty good rebounder. He needs to work on his outside game. It's pretty much non-existent at this point, and he needs to work on his ball handling a little bit too, but there's definitely some potential there. With the 47th overall pick, the Sacramento Kings and like Isaiah Roby out of Nebraska, a really interesting uh, power forward who can kind of grab and go and transition at a high level, has some ball handling skills, um, is working on his three-point shot. That's something that's coming around as well. Um, a versatile defender at 6'8", who should be able to switch screens and, and stay on the perimeter. The Kings don't necessarily need a ton of front court depth at this point, but outside of Bagley and Giles, there's not a ton of long-term interesting pieces there. Willie Colley-Stein kind of feels like he's on his way out at some point. So you can throw Roby into the mix as another guy who can run the floor with De'Aaron Fox and kind of fit into that versatile lineup the Kings have been building these past couple seasons. And with the 48th overall pick, the Los Angeles Clippers are going to select Terrence Mann out of Florida State. Just a really smart player on the wing. Has a lot of glue guy potential in that respect. A competitive defender who should be able to defend a few positions on the perimeter. Um, smart offensive player has played some point guard minutes at Florida State. Doesn't project in that role at the next level, but he can play make to a certain extent. Has a pretty decent three point stroke, um, and just you know fills that glue guy role for the Clippers who are going to need some size and depth on the wing this next year. With the 49th pick, I have the San Antonio Spurs selecting Dividas Servitas, the forward from Lithuania. So with their previous two picks, the Spurs got a big in Goga and got a guard in Ludort. So here I have the Spurs going and grabbing a forward, a foreign forward from Lithuania. And Servitas is a smoothie lefty shooter, and he possesses tremendous playmaking abilities for someone at his position. He releases his threes um, from... In a storm at angles, he can shoot the ball uh, standing still off the spot up, or he shoots very well and comfortably off movement. His best move is he is very good from watching film, a left-to-right crossover that he uses to get his jump shots off, kind of like Kawhi Leonard uh, from the mid-range. You see him doing that all the time. And he also uses that crossover to get to the rim where he can finish with both hands. He's a good playmaker for somebody at his position. He avoids turning the ball over, and he always looks to make the extra pass, which fits right in with that Spurs system. And on the other side of the ball, he's a solid positional defender. Uh, he won't really be able to defend guards or bigger, stronger power forwards or centers. But he plays with a lot of effort and rotates well off the ball. With the 50th pick, the Indiana Pacers select Mie Oni. Oni is a Yale product and has shown steady development over his college career. This past season, he averaged 17 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and 1.3 blocks. So his ability as a defender is very intriguing. He's slowly become a solid defender. At the at 6'6", he's a you know, solid shooting guard option for the Pacers here. I think they want to have somebody, a solid backup for Victor Oladipo once he returns from his injury as well as possibly a running mate if they decide to give Oladipo full reins and let him become a point guard. I think, you know, in time, Oni might be able to develop into that. One of the few Ivy League guys, you know, in in the NBA, it could be. So I think he'd be an ideal fit here with the Pacers at the 50th pick. With the 51st pick, the Boston Celtics select Charles Matthews. Matthews famous, well, infamously, tore his ACL and training uh, in a pre-work draft workout. However, right now, the Celtics have more than their fair share of picks, and beforehand, you know, Matthews was projected to be a very solid uh, defender at the guard position, at the shooting guard position, shot not a great three-point shooter, but could, you know, that he could very easily, I, I could see him very, very easily taking over the mantle of Marcus Smart, you know, in the distant future. They have time to let him recover because they've already have a plethora of picks in the first round. So I think they take a flyer with Matthews here and allow him to recover, possibly play in the G League a little bit this season, and uh, we'll see, and see if he can develop into like a 
you know, a solid perimeter defender similar to Marcus Smart. With the 52nd pick, I have the shot Hornets getting Cody Martin, forward out of Nevada. Here, the Hornets are getting a solid wing defender who can defend multiple positions, which is what you want in the modern NBA. He's a solid ball handler which who controls the tempo and the team's offense. He's a great uh, pick-and-roll playmaker, and he's capable of finishing at the rim and pulling up off the dribble. He does have really funky mechanics, though. He's a decent spot-up shooter, but he's going to have to fix that. He's a solid pump fake, which he uses a lot to attack the rim, kind of like how we see James Ennis do this year with the Sixers. And also, what you get with Martin is an accurate passer who can pass the ball accurately all over the floor via outlet passes in transition, or he does a lot off pick-and-rolls into a lob. And he's an active on-ball defender. His long arms and sturdy frame um, help him to shift between guarding guards and wings, and he's a smart off-ball defender, rotates well, and he can grab rebounds uh, well for his position and his size. With the 53rd overall pick, the Utah Jazz are going to select Luka Simonic from Olympija, Ljubljana. Um, just a really versatile young forward. Needs to prove that he's a consistent three-point shooter. That's not something he's done yet. But has some interesting dribble moves for a 6'10 guy. Um, projects as a versatile defender who has the size and strength to defend um, in the post long-term, but he can also kind of switch on at the perimeter and hang with guards and wings. Utah needs some more versatility in the front court. Rudy Gobert has kind of struggled in the postseason these past few years. Derek Favors, while a very solid player, isn't the best fit at power forward. So adding someone like Simonic who can kind of develop behind those guys long-term makes a lot of sense for Utah. With the 54th pick, I had the Philadelphia 76ers getting Kyle Guy, the guard from Virginia. So, the Sixers in this mock draft already got Zach Norvell Jr., the guard from Gonzaga. But here you're kind of getting a project in Kyle Guy. He was the best spot-up shooter in the nation, 99th percentile in spot-ups and transition threes, all the above. And the Sixers can never have enough shooters. Any NBA team can never have enough shooters. But here we'll probably see Kyle Guy on a two-way contract to improve his defense and overall game. He shot well in college, but... His athleticism and his size, it's going to be a tough transition to the NBA. So him on that two-way contract to help him just develop and transition into that modern NBA game. But you're also getting a high IQ guy that won't turn the ball over and will just be on the floor and shoot. So if JJ comes back, he can be a heir apparent to him and eventually he can come up and be a solid role player off the bench just to give us more shooting. With the 55th pick, I have the Knicks taking Taco Fall. They missed out on AD, but so why not take Taco Fall? Um, obviously, his physical attributes stand out the most. Um, he broke all the metrics at the Combine uh, last month. Um, the thing that kind of stands out to me about Taco is how well he kind of moves for his height, uh, which is a little pretty surprising given that he's 7'6". Um, he's decently quick in the post. Um, obviously, he's a good blocker, which you would assume that he would be. And you, you just hope that if he gets a chance at the next level, that he's not just kind of a gimmick. With the 56th pick, I have the Clippers taking Sagaba Kanate. Um, he has an insanely strong build, uh, pretty good shot blocker. That's probably going to be his main selling point at the next level. Pretty good interior defender on the block, uh, solid rebounder, and decent at scoring inside as well. With the uh, 57th overall pick, we have the New Orleans Pelicans selecting Ignis Rastikis. Really just a tough-minded defender and scorer who stood out as a relatively unheralded freshman at Michigan this year, became arguably their best scorer and player at times. Um, Still has some room to develop his decision-making at the next level, but he can shoot the three-ball well, plays aggressively on offense, and he defends hard. Should be able to defend a couple positions on the perimeter and just a really nice upside play at 57. And then for Golden State at 58, we have them selecting Jalen LeCou, who uh, was originally committed to NC State for this upcoming season, but being a year removed from high school, entered the draft and decided to keep his name in. Uh, the situation is a bit different for Golden State now that they've lost both Durant and Clay. We made these picks before Game 6, but I, I still think they're in a position with Steph and Dre where they can Kind of take a couple home run swings with Bull Bull at 28 and the Coup at 58. Um, the Coup is a 
like a top 1% draft um, athlete, pardon me, 43-inch vertical, just super explosive, um, shifty ball handler, has a ton of upside from that perspective, needs to improve his decision-making, his shooting. He's a very raw prospect, but just on athletic tools alone, he's a really intriguing guy to kind of roll the dice on at 58. So with the 59th pick, I have the Toronto Raptors selecting Justin Wright Foreman, the guard from Hofstra. So I'm really high on Justin Wright Foreman. I got to see him play a few times this year. He can literally score the ball from anywhere on the floor. He's a lefty Lou Williams with more bounce. Going to the Raptors, he could be a scorer off the bench who could help bolster the Raptors' uh, backup unit alongside Fred Van Fleet and Norman Powell, who has an expiring contract after this season. He's definitely going to develop on that Raptors' legendary 905 G League squad, so we probably won't see him much this year, probably on a two-way. He's a ball-dominant guard, scores rapidly off the dribble, gets where he wants on the floor. He uses his quick feet and tight handle with various dribble moves to get his shot off. Um, he has deep NBA range on his nice lefty jump shot, which he uses via pull-up, step-back, sidesteps, and various other moves. He also excels off the ball as a spot-up shooter, too. Um, he's a very balanced jump shot and has a lot of control mid-air with his shot. So even, if we, even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he can still be a very valuable guy on the floor. And he also can score at the rim, and he's an underrated playmaker who makes difficult like cross-court passes and delivers the ball right into his teammates' shooting pockets. With the 60th pick, the Sacramento Kings select Diedrich Lawson. Kings don't really have a long-term prospect as a stretch forward, and that's exactly what Lawson can be for them. He's a solid 6'9", 235-pound, a big uh, stretch four. He averaged 19.4 points, 10.3 rebounds, 1.3 steals, and 1.1 blocks this past season for Kansas. He also shot 39.3% from downtown. He'd be an ideal stretch big next to Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles for the future. So I think at the 60th pick, the Kings are more than willing to take a chance on Lawson. And who knows, he might end up being the next Isaiah Thomas for them. All right, that concludes our mock draft 2.0 for the Sixers Sense. Stay tuned for more Sixers news at thesixersense.com and follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. Thank you guys for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 